You're listening to MTM Musings by MTM Productions. This is MedTech Musings. I'm Osama Salem. And I'm Jenny Westland. Welcome to our first official episode of MedTech Musings. Today, we're having a conversation with one of our favorite MedTech leaders, Chris Park. Chris, thank you for being on the show. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks. For today's show, we'll start with some Q&A so that the MedTech masses can get to know you, Chris. And then we'll move into some fun rapid-fire questions. Does that sound good? Sounds great. So, Chris, you've spanned life sciences, healthcare, manufacturing, education, federal, and even the retail industries. How did you get into med tech and why stick to it once you did find it? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I started out in the firm actually in our provider practice and I delivered provider strategy and operations work for a few years. We were helping them improve uh, the delivery of healthcare for, for patients in that community. Um, and so that was one of the reasons that I stayed with healthcare. My initial engagement in the med tech space was for a little company called Zimmer in Warsaw, Indiana. And at the time, late 90s, what we were doing was called value and use work. We were helping Zimmer figure out the effect on healthcare economics and quality outcomes of this minimally invasive procedure. Yeah. And it was at that point I really became enamored with the idea of med tech and the the power of supporting uh, healthcare. That's awesome. Would you consider that like an early stage of value-based kind of care models for med tech? Absolutely. Um, and, and so as much discussion as there is around value-based care in med tech today, and there is a lot, the idea of med tech companies providing economic value ha- has always been there. And at the time, the issue was that many hospitals and hospital systems were receiving fixed payments. The simple idea was if we can do less time, we can get more patients through, we can increase our throughput, we still get the same fixed payment, hence the system is going to be more profitable, the surgeon's going to make higher margin. So it was a win-win-win. It didn't necessarily directly connect Zimmer to the idea of uh, better or worse outcomes or better or worse margins. Mm-hmm. A way to kind of shift that profit margin allocation a little bit within the system. Uh, totally appropriate within the regulations and the reimbursement system of the time. Yeah, that, that is all very interesting. And I feel like I could probably ask you about that for the entire uh, remaining part of the session. Um, but to switch gears a little bit, I'm sure at this point you've been asked a lot about the impact of COVID 19 on MedTech but maybe you could shed some light on what impact, if any, that the upcoming election cycles might have on medtech or have typically had on medtech and how the industry tends to react. Uh, I think the major issue that affects medtech the most, rather than the political ups and downs or lefts and rights, mm-hmm. is the issue of um, global focus on cost of healthcare and uh, access and availability, um, social justice and equity around healthcare. And so for our med tech clients, uh, it's a little bit less about whether the administration is going right or going left. And this is, by the way, in any country in which healthcare operates, not just the US, um, but much more about what's the right level of investment and are we getting the best return on that investment for med tech innovation, uh, for our patients, for outcomes? How do we pay for innovation? I'll say business model and how those business models are evolving. 
So from a, a U.S. perspective, I would say the following. I would say there'll be some changes, perhaps in tax policy, that are going to need to be addressed. And we have extraordinary colleagues in our tax practice. I think that uh, changes in agencies like HHS and CDC and FEMA and that have been directly involved in COVID response uh, will continue to have a lot to do with the mentech sector. Totally agreed. Um, I know, especially in this time period, it's just been incredibly rapid in terms of creating innovations, collaborating with more of the public sector, like the CDC, HHS, FDA, to get those innovations out the door. But maybe if we take a step back and look a little bit more broadly, what are some of the other ways MedTech has changed in the last 10 years? The increasing transparency and visibility and availability of medical equipment, technologies, and devices. I think the second one is a fascinating change in, in innovation. And I would say that, number one, it's always fascinating to me to see the amount and availability of venture capital and PE money and sort of innovation investment that's available. And uh, secondly, the variety of new innovations that are coming out is amazing. It, it's, it's everything from fun, new little better mousetraps um, to combinations of um, physical stuff and products with solutions and services and software that we've never seen before. And then I put it, I put it to the people this way. We are, if, if you're a science fiction buff, we are literally developing some of the very cool health technology that were just great ideas. Five, ten, fifteen. Yeah. Um, if you'll allow me, that the best example I have of that is when you think about the evolution of 3D printing. Was it early to mid 2000s? So quite some time ago. And it was interesting because at that moment, the 3D printing exercises were kind of giant machines that took up entire warehouses, and they were printing these little plastic um, toys. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the speculation at the time was just imagine for a moment if we're able to 3D print and watching the evolution of 3D printed biologics, organs and transplants. And uh, I remember a story coming out of MIT not too long ago about uh, essentially a 3D printed esophagus. It's just fascinating. You think about the evolution of that in mid tech, not only this year and next year, but for the 5, 10, 15 year horizon. Um, I say to people at, at Deloitte, I can't think of any sector, literally any sector, that is going to be as interesting, exciting, innovative, and impactful as mm -hmm. med Yeah, I 100% agree, which is why I'm probably co-hosting this podcast. Um, and I think you bring up an interesting point, like even in my undergrad career, we had just like classroom 3D printers, like in some of our engineering labs. So seeing that shift from this like really big piece of equipment, maybe in the 2000s to actually being in classrooms where I as an undergrad student could access it. I think that's really cool. And I think, you know, hopefully the availability of that kind of technology will just continue to increase. Um, but one last question for you before we move into our rapid fire round of questions. And I think this will be interesting for a lot of people who work more on the technology side of our practice. But where do you see the industry heading more towards software-based medical technologies or more within innovations in the traditional physical devices for MedTech? Oh, great question. Um, a solid vote. And, and here's one of the really fascinating things about MedTech for me. Um, if I just break those two apart, um, I could go and make a career in either one of them. 
And even if there was no intersection of the two hardware and software, you just think about the hardware side, advanced materials technology, nanotechnology. It is just so incredible to watch the evolution of the physical science behind medtech and healthcare. I'll, I'll say this mundane but important sorts of things like imaging, the quality of ultrasound, the portability of ultrasound. You talk about access to healthcare for everybody equally around the world. Um, you know, handheld ultrasound devices, that's a game changer. Okay, so now I'm gonna flip over and just talk about software for a moment. <laughs> Simply the is exciting when you think about just the simple evolution from products to services, solutions, and software to support those products. You think about the rapid uptake of software as a medical like device, SAMD, and how that's become for our firm and so many of our clients. The fact that you can think about writing code and having that um, literally regulated and applied as a medical device in the market, huge. And all of the major tech trends. In particular, we'll talk about AI, machine learning, the improvement of decision-making for quality of healthcare, absolutely enormous. The fact that science, science fiction is now becoming science, is now becoming clinical reality, mm -hmm. it's just absolutely fascinating and will just continue to, to be known uh, literally as the, you know, the world's premier professional services provider for medtech. Yeah, I think I can speak for all of us when we say that we're really excited to see where it goes in the next five days can bring the physical devices together with the kind of software platforms and kind of deliver a broader, full patient journey. I think that'll be really cool. Yeah. All right, Chris, and thank you, Jenny. So we've talked FFS, we've talked election cycles, we've talked software, but what the people, aka myself, want to know are a few questions, Chris. They'll be rapid fire, so 10-ish questions, give or take, and one-word answers, and there is no thinking about these. First question, biotech or pharma? Biotech. Okay, work at client site or work from home? Client site. Okay, SPG, Hilton, or Hyatt? SPG. <laughs> now Marriott. Marriott. Summer or winter? Fall. Uh, emails or meetings? Emails. Favorite travel spot? New Zealand. Baby pandas or baby penguins? Wow, that's a really hard one. Um, I have to go with pandas on this one. What was for breakfast? I had a Dunkin' Donuts egg McMuffin sandwich. <laughs> that is very true New England fashion. True <laughs> New England fashion. You cannot go wrong with those. My favorite part about New England is walking around in dead of winter. It's December you know, 12 feet of snow or 12 inches of snow and people are walking around with iced coffee and you don't mess with, with New England's iced coffee during any place. Exactly. <laughs> Favorite car? Uh, Aston Martin. Favorite apparel item that you own? My black Patagonia vest. <laughs> He's wearing it, by the way, for people who <laughs> can't. Oh, yeah, that's right, radio. If not MedTech, then what? Sustainability and corporate responsibility. Tell us more. Just the, the short version of the story, uh, you may remember there was some interesting news about climate change in the early to mid-2000s, and Al Gore's mm. came out, and uh, it was a topic of great, I'd say, discussion and debate, um, maybe not action. And so I took it upon myself to educate myself on the current state of sustainability as a business issue. So we built, at that time, what was called a, a service innovation proposal. And... Um, 
essentially crafted a business case for a cross-functional set of services and capabilities around sustainability, corporate responsibility, triple bottom line accounting, energy, and the environment. And from the period of about 2006 to 2010 or 11, that was my primary focus. So it was a departure from MedTech. And now, um, you know, 10 years, 15 years on, whenever I see our global CEO, Kanit Renjan, talking publicly about Deloitte's position on corporate responsibility and social impact and all those sorts of things, I'm taking enormous pride uh, on the fact that I was at least in some small way part of our firm's evolution and capability building and brand around that stuff. And that's what folks, Chris, calls a short answer, by the way. <laughs> What is your 2020 summer anthem? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, and here's, here's my dilemma. I'm going to try and hedge a little bit on my word answer. I have three teenagers at home. So I have a mixture of everything from Bach and Beethoven for one of them to rap for another and everything in between, literally. All the, uh, I also have three older children and two grandchildren. So I've got you know, bring around the rosy going through my head from time to time. I have a hard time trying to narrow down and focus from all of this, I'll say, musical choice, summer anthem, anthem. I'm at a loss, guys. I'm not going to be able to come up with one. I'm sorry. All right. Unfortunate, but over to you, Jenny. All right. Any last comments you want to make for the MedTech masses before we wrap it up? Well, listen, thank, thanks for the opportunity, first of all. Um, I am absolutely thrilled that we even have MedTech Masses to talk about, <laughs> talk to. Um, and I would say, I'll just say this, having come from MedTech being an important but fairly small or modest size of our overall life science practice, I believe it is the life science practice of the future. And, and I say that unapologetically. Uh, it's the nature of the, the world that we live in. And as Deloitte, not to take away from anything that our pharma colleagues are doing today or anybody else. It is the decade of MedTech. And I'm delighted. Uh, the, the open offer is to anybody who wants to think about a consulting career in MedTech. Call me, set up a time, find me enough, whatever the case happens to be. Um, I want to help you all navigate, think about the firm, think about your future. So much opportunity. So thanks, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you so much for your time, Chris, and for always being an awesome resource for MedTech, like from a leadership perspective. We've benefited a ton from your mentorship over the years, so definitely appreciate having you on the show for our inaugural episode. Thank you. All right. And that is all from us. Thank you so much for taking 15 minutes out of your day to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed being a part of this conversation. Once again, I'm Osama Salam. And I'm Jenny Westland. If you have any questions, always feel free to reach out to us at usmtm at delight.com. We look forward to bringing more amazing MedTech conversations to you. Till then, stay safe, drink some PowerPoint juice, and goodbye. Goodbye.